Welcome to the season one finale of What Happens at Work. I'm Amy Frampton, host and head of marketing at Bamboo HR, and I am so excited to be here with you. In this final episode, we're gonna hear about some bad bosses, and also perhaps why we might wanna reconsider the label bad boss. So many of us have dealt with challenging leadership, and it's often cited as the main reason for leaving a job. The challenge, of course, is that all bosses are human, at least so far. For posterity's sake, I am saying this in the year 2022. And as long as bosses are human, there are going to be struggles. Let's listen in on a story from JJ and his former colleague, Brian, who both worked in digital marketing. Here's JJ. It was really my first marketing job. It became quickly apparent that everybody there really loved the clientele, loved what they were doing. That was JJ. We also talked to his former colleague, Brian. I was on a team with JJ and JJ was my boss and he made it a good place to be. Everybody felt like it was the greatest place on earth to work. So JJ and Brian worked at a company they loved in the digital marketing space. A couple of years in, the thriving digital marketing company was acquired by a paper company intent on making their name in the space. This new parent company swiftly pulled in a new leader to run the ship. We're keeping everything anonymous for reasons you'll soon understand. But to answer your question, no, the paper company was not Dunder Mifflin. That's not a real company. Anyway, let's get back to the story. They appointed a new gentleman out of California to come in to run the company. They wanted somebody different background, different experience. But we didn't know he would be traveling from California here Monday through Friday, going home on the weekends. There's a group of coworkers that they saw the landscape. They put together a business plan. They're kind of in the weeds of things. They get it. And I believe they presented it to the president and some others there. Brian was in those conversations. There was a group of us that were trying to put together a little bit better product. We kind of just had been trying for, at a lower level to, to raise the flag. Like, hey, this stuff isn't working. Like, let's regroup. And it just wasn't being listened to. And so I think part of the frustration was coming from that leadership. They got shot down. They not just said, you know, hey, we'll think about it. It seemed like it was kind of like a how dare you almost type of attitude. They took all this time prepping things and it was a, yeah, but you're not in charge. Like, what are you doing? So many things just started changing to where the culture was disappearing. You'd hear louder talking or yelling behind doors every now and then. Things were escalating. He seemed disconnected at times. There were discussions of an in-office affair going on between the president and somebody else. The gossip, I think, added to the discredible source that he was and, and us just not really feeling like we could follow this person and work for this person. And it was this site that popped up that was circulating among the employees where it looked like it was his significant other leaving this review on this other employee. Keep your man away from this person. She's a gold digger. And it was just, it was a train wreck. It was an absolute train wreck. So one day Brian and JJ come to work and the president tells everyone he wants to have a meeting. The meeting was mandatory. He started the meeting, you know, mentioning that there was a review left on, on Glassdoor. It, you know, wasn't a good review. He's very clearly upset that somebody left this review. It was about him specifically. I believe it called him out by name, called out the culture. Just things were going well. Things were better before. The acquisition destroyed everything. I believe he read it word for word off of the screen. And I remember standing up against the wall next to one of the doors on the left side of the room 
table's completely full of people, and this gentleman's up at the front, and it, it, it got heated very quickly. A lot of heads were down. Nobody wanted to make eye contact because it felt like there's an immediate attack on people. And instead of like taking it and looking inward, he wanted a witch hunt. He wanted a witch hunt to find this person, find out if they were still working there. Very threatening saying, look, if this person's here, we're gonna find them. If you don't wanna be here, then why don't you just leave? If there's anybody who, maybe he doesn't want to be working here because this is how you feel then just get out and kind of goes down that path of just attacking this individual but then you see something kick in of oh maybe i need to be a little bit more remorseful and so as, as you kind of see the shift in his attitude like maybe he's done the wrong thing but you can't really undo what's been done he starts to say well you know whoever this person is i'll help you put together your resume or put it together and then put it on my desk i will personally help you find a job i will help you leave this place that you don't like so much uh, so you can get out of here which, I mean, you can't imagine how much worse it got of like, yeah, let me go to the guy who just cursed me out in front of the entire company to say, why don't you help me find a job? I trust your references. I don't know how long it went on for. It felt like a long time, right? It's just one of those meetings where it, it feels so personal, even though I had no idea what was going on. I'm starting to feel for whoever this person is, but I'm also looking around at my leaders, the people I've respected for the past three years, and their spirits are down. And that got to me because there were some amazing people at the helm and they actually didn't know this meeting was coming either. The meeting just ended of, if you don't want to be here, then get out. And I, his last words might have been, all right, I'm done. The meeting is over. Everyone shuffles out. People are pretty silent and confused. Brian remembers the weeks after. The backlash from that meeting was people were like, couldn't stop talking about it for the next couple of weeks. And it was just like, nobody was getting any work done because they just were so focused on this reaction. People took super long lunches. I think people didn't want to be there. I honestly think people may not have returned even after lunch. It was just so quiet, so quiet and awkward. We we're kind of whispering about what had happened, but it was just one of those things that was just like so telling of where the company was going. It was a little bit harder to be motivated to keep moving forward, knowing that the person at the helm didn't seem to trust anybody. And that now it really felt like you're like on pins and needles. I think there's definitely a lack of trust that came into play of whatever he says after this point, do I care? He might have this innovative idea, but how much do I care? I think the first time I career, I really felt like this probably isn't the best place to be necessarily. You could almost say it's the beginning of the end of the company. It was just deflating, disheartening. All hope at that point was like, well, okay, how long are we going to ride it out? The morale was, I mean, to the basement. And it was kind of like this group were holding on because we, we couldn't believe that it had gone so bad. It wasn't just morale that was through the basement, but the physical space started getting torn apart too. JJ remembers that the building started getting sectioned off. They had construction workers come in and start putting up walls because they were going to lease out the other side because it was too expensive for the amount of people we had at that time. So now you're like, oh, now we're smaller. They said, we'll be shut down in six weeks. Start interviewing. Start, you know, go find a job. You're only going to go as high as the people underneath you will push you, right? You're only going to go as high as you can empower them to do their jobs and do it well and feel like they have skin in the game or feel like they have something in the game to keep them working. You need to constantly be building them up. And that's just not what happened. Whew, what a difficult position JJ and Brian and the rest of their team were put into. And as far as bad boss behavior goes, 
There were a lot of obvious examples here. I am so glad to be joined by Heather Younger to unpack this entire situation. Heather is the author of both The Art of Caring Leadership and The Seven Intuitive Laws of Employee Loyalty. She is the CEO of Employee Fanatics, which focuses on helping organizations create cultures of listening. What's your first reaction when you when you heard that? What were your first thoughts? Well, first it was like a, a stomach punch in a way for me because the lack of safety and a, a low level of emotional intelligence in that leader that it just, yeah, I just felt like somebody hit me in my gut. It's, it goes counter to the work I do on creating safe spaces and on compassionate leadership. Yeah, I got a little nervous, like I was almost in the room myself. I don't know, like that lack of safety on their behalf somehow. You know, we talk about bad boss stories. Maybe a better way to say it is is poor leadership. What were the elements there that that really concerns you in terms of, of that safety or, or other items? I think the biggest thing was just from that leader's perspective, it was a pure lack of self-awareness. The impact he was having in the meeting, but just like in the culture prior to the meeting, and then his like backtracking, which everybody could see, just the lack of first self-awareness and then this lack of social awareness of the environment, what was happening and his impact. Like I said, we're just so textbook for the not the way to do it. The other thing I do want to just kind of comment on is this idea of bad leaders or poor leadership. This has been an evolution for me. I'm not going to lie. I've worked in mostly like director level, kind of middle management roles a lot of my lifetime. And... I would often see those at the very top is kind of like super clueless. And I wouldn't say like the enemy, but there was just like this thing of like, oh, it's them versus us. They don't have any clue. They're not in our shoes. I was kind of along the lines of everybody else until about five years ago, I started to do executive coaching for one client. So I'm not an executive coach. So I don't want anybody to think I am, but I am an executive coach for this one client. So I've been doing that. It's like the people at the top, top and right below that. And as I've sat with them, it allowed me to see them more as human, not to be like, you know, infallible and just like, I'm just so perfect, you know, they have to be perfect, but to see them as people. And I realized that they are struggles and they're on a journey, just like every single one of us. And so I often will say, maybe their leadership is not as enlightened. Their leadership needs improvement. But I have a hard time now saying bad leader, bad boss, because, I have found that probably I can think of one person I had, uh, he was he was a very high leader and he happened to be my boss at the organization, where he may have had intentions that were less than positive. I'm quite, it's hard, I don't even know how to really put a finger on that one. But, but at the same time, there was a side of him that I saw before I kind of entered into this role of coaching. This is, I was working at a place. And I could see his desire to improve. Like he had a sense about himself, so the self-awareness was there. He had a sense about himself that he was coming off one way and I'd give him direct feedback. Like, by the way, you're coming off this way. You're like, you're, people aren't trusting you. I would say that to him. And I could see a desire that he had a desire to get better, even though there was all this other stuff that was mm, like not so good, right? Since I was there and in these other situations, I've seen, I see leadership differently. So in this case of this gentleman who showed up this way, in the moment he was trying to self-correct, at that moment, he was like looking around going, uh-oh, I just went like, I went down a path I should have gone down. He saw like their eyes. He was, he paid attention. So he, he started to step into that social intelligence space and then he started to backtrack and he just didn't have the skill to know how to like get himself out of the way. Now, didn't he need a lot of help? Absolutely. He like, was he a great leader? No, he wasn't. But I mean, as far as saying bad leader, it's hard for me to go there because 
I don't know his backstory. I don't quite know what was happening with him. And so for me in the role I do, and even for example with organizations, I always tell them like, let's not go in making assumptions. Let's actually go deeper. So let's find out what they're what they actually need. Let's find out some of their backstory to understand why they show up that way. Was his father like that? I'm curious to know some of these things because maybe he was never given the skill to say, okay, you may get mad, but your emotional self-management, you got to get it under control, dude. You got to figure out how you uh, filter it before you walk into these meetings and don't just like lash out and make your people feel bad. Let's talk a little bit about how he could have corrected or started out in a better way in that situation. But I think in the understanding that he was a human, you know, who was not skilled in that at that moment in in what was going on. And I think I think that that's important. Yeah. You know, how would you have coached him that leader before that yeah. meeting and maybe after? Yeah. So I would say before the meeting, if he came to me with this particular scenario and I could see he's really angry, I would absolutely make him do a lot of internal self work to say, okay, like I, I can sense that you're frustrated. I can sense that you feel a little betrayed. I can sense that you don't you don't feel like you had a supportive team. That may or may not be true, but let's talk about your role in all of this. And let's take some time to draw it on a piece of paper. The things that you can control and influence in this situation and the things that you cannot. The things that have to do with you and maybe your role and the things that don't. You need to do whatever you gotta do to deal with you and that, the emotions that are tied into this because you cannot, by any stretch of the imagination, go into that meeting coming off angry if we've done our work right, you go in kind of like a blank slate with the intent to listen. So I think the key with this particular leader is that he didn't have a level of vulnerability. He didn't level set his own emotional self-management. He hadn't looked internally to focus on what he could control and influence and to really look inward and say, what role does, did I play in this? Because we all have a role to play and he just wasn't open. And that's a great tip for all of us. Right. If we're going into difficult conversations, whether we're leaders or whether we're individual contributors at the time or, you know, whatever role, um, heck at home sometimes, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, <laughs> that if we can pause and, and get that self-awareness, um, work ourselves through our emotions and then approach from a from a place of neutrality mm -hmm. in terms of of your emotions so that you can hear. Um, I think that's a great tip for everyone listening, because it you know, it allows you to show up in the way that ultimately he clearly wanted to show up that way, but didn't have the, the tools to get there. And then afterwards was trying to like pull it back in. So here's the, another thing I would do. Like if I was, if I were to go in and do that, which I wouldn't do that, but I've made mistakes in some of these, I've done some stuff. Sure, Let's just put that have. way. What I would do is like after he would have done that and he realized he went wrong, instead of kind of like the backtracking, I'd be like, okay, re I'd go like this, reset. I screwed up. I know I did. I'm sitting here in front of you, to be honest, like blank slate, open heart. I'm here. I need your help. Like I would just full on just be like, I don't know it all. And I'm a work in progress. And please give me your help. And like, I would just completely give in. They would, I wouldn't say completely forget, but believe me, it would mark off all of the nasty stuff yeah. that just happened. Cause they'd be like, he's owning it. I think the humanity would just overwhelm those in the room so much that they would have no choice, but their hearts to open up and to want to help him. But he did. He just didn't. I was thinking about as you were saying that the openness that you're talking about is the only way that you learn as a leader or in, as a human. And so that sort of openness to, hey, give me some feedback and help me get better at this. It's like a level of intentionality. I love that. Like setting an intention means so much and there's nothing 
fake about that, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's interesting over these years is there's got kind of two things that keep boiling up in every talk I do and every book I write. It's this idea of intentionality and choice, like the choices that we have and which ones do we choose and that we have more power than we think. Everybody's a leader, but those with a manager title and those without that I hear them often like placing blame or pointing the finger or, you know, it's always somebody else stopping me from doing it or making me do this. Right. And I just want to say squash it. And I call BS. And it is because I think there's so many, so much more in us that we influence control than we know. You know, one of the things I think about as I hear this story is for the, the management in the room that's not the leader at the front of the room, but wants to help in some way and is kind of caught a little bit in the middle. What would your advice be? Because I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there that are, are in those roles. I think the first thing I would do is check my emotions. I would coach him or counsel him to kind of care for himself like after that event. And then I would schedule a time with his team. So whoever that was like his team in the room and he's like, oh gosh, what's happening? And I would just be kind of the blank slating. I'd say, you know, I know that this, we just had this tough interaction. I could see it on your faces. A couple of you have emailed me. I needed to take time to process it for myself. And I just wanted to be here to have, to, to listen to you and just see what's going through with you, how I can help, what's happening. Cause it's kind of, it was a little traumatic. So I just want to kind of talk to you about that without necessarily doing tons of like pointing fingers at that big boss, like the guy sure. that's not, like, uh. not, it's not, it's less about the person it is more the impact to this people and how he can be present for them. So that, that would be one thing. The other thing I would do after I'd centered myself, if I had a certain, just depending on my relationship with that manager, is I probably would either send a handwritten note or send some kind of email just saying, Hey, you okay? You Okay you want to talk again, that whole idea of like, how do I manage it? How do I offer kind of an olive branch to him who is also going, what did I just do? I totally screwed up. And so I would actually still offer the olive branch to say, you okay? Because I think you have an opportunity in that moment, that middle manager, I think it's a pretty good opportunity to both show compassion and strength at the same time with your people. And you also get a chance to take this leader who, who's probably going to be going to another organization delivering all kinds of pain to the other people to set him on a different course by doing it from a place of being genuine and showing both sides that you kind of saw them in the moment you endear them to you more well and there's just a great humanity in that right in that we're we're all doing our best and we may not have the tools we need but there is a humanity in, in reaching out so i love that can you share what you, your thoughts are in terms of trust and self-awareness listening these themes we've been talking about and how that can impact positively or negatively, that retention and engagement. What I have discovered through all the listening I've been doing with both customers and employees since like 2008 is if we aren't first listening, and listening for me is a very big deal and it's far and wide and it goes deep. If we aren't really listening, we're never going to get to the truth. And it's, and it's through listening in a, in a very specific way that gets us to that truth and that truth will in fact set us free. Like that truth will be the answers we're looking for. So if we're looking around our revenues are going down, whatever the issue is, we need to reflect on whether we've properly listened to, to both customers and employees alike. Have we properly listened? Have we gone deep? Have we gone prepared to hear their truth, not to reinforce our truth? Because if we do that, now we can go take action on that truth. Now we start to see the results and the fruit of the actual peer listening. So I think that's the key when we think about engagement. I feel like everything starts there because otherwise what's happening is we're like reading an article, watching a video, we're going to a conference and we're making a lot of assumptions. We are trying to do a cookie cutter approach to engagement when in fact we can customize our organization's engagement model 
by listening to them and saying, okay, what are the themes? And then how do I include my team members in the change that they're seeking so that they can own some of the change that they want to get done? So it's not all on me. And as we know, like I said, most of the time, HR or those employee engagement, whoever's tasked to do it, they don't have the bandwidth to do this, all of this. They have to involve other people. So we have to have an openness to be more inclusive. And inclusive to me means including everyone around the table to make decisions that also benefit them too. Absolutely. You know, one of the challenges that I think has been, there's been a lot over the last two and a half years, but as, as we hopefully move, you know, forward and, and through the COVID period, the remote forward world is another, I think, complicating factor in trust and employee engagement. How do you manage trust and employee engagement in this often remote forward world? Here's the thing. I mean, there's not, there's, I'm sorry, but there's never going to be anything better than in person because there are a lot of things we miss. So I'm going to say that as a foundation, not make people think this is a rah, rah, everything's all good. But I would say this, I've been telling people that what we saw during the pandemic, when a lot of us were remote, we saw a lot in the background. So you're seeing, you know, children walk by, dogs run by, an elderly parent in the room, a college child home because they had mental health issues. There's a lot of things that are going on in the background were and are. And if we forgot what we learned, that was a sin on our part. What I mean by that is don't forget it and continue to lean into it on the screen. We can still do that. How much am I leaning in and listening? Because I build trust that way by showing a level of curiosity. I'm leaning into them to make sure I'm present for them. Someone just did that for me this morning. She really didn't have any an ask for me, but she wanted to know what she could do to serve me. And so the way, even her whole body language, how she spoke, I could hear it in her voice. So trust is to, can still be built right here. It can be built right here. That's great advice. And I think you're right. There's a magic to in-person. I just had my team in person this week and there was a magic to it. You know, we worked, we played games. We did name that tune. Like there was just a magic to the connection, but there is an ability to lean into those conversations as well remotely. And, and really, I think we're all learning how to master this or at least be decent at it and keep trying week over week at work. I do believe people can learn the skill of trying to listen well and lean in, even in this space. I mean, while it's important to look at the camera, I do feel like people know your heart, feel your heart, see your heart by the nonverbal things you give them in your voice, your tone. If you can master the ability to let them feel your heart to the screen, then you're going to create the connections there. Thank you, Heather. It has been super fun to talk to you today. Thank you so much, Amy. It's been wonderful. How do we continue to hold our leaders accountable while also understanding their humanness? Brian and JJ reminded us that poor leadership can accelerate a company's collapse or propel talented, passionate employees to leave, or both. We need to continue to ask our leaders to show up for us in ways that are supportive and positive. Heather's given me more ideas on how to think about caring leadership. Thanks so much for joining us for the season finale of What Happens at Work. If you haven't listened to the rest of the season, check out other episodes for more surprising stories and insightful conversations. And while you're at it, please hit the subscribe button, give us a rating, and leave us a review to let us know what you'd like to see in future seasons. Big thanks to JJ and Brian for sharing their stories and to Heather Younger for her expertise. You can learn much more about Heather at heatheryounger.com and at employeefanatics.com. Thanks to our Bamboo HR team, Sweetfish Media, and our producer, Alana Nevins. You can learn more about Bamboo HR at BambooHR.com. And thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us 
as we uncover what really happens at work.